Okay, what's up, sober family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast where we break up with booze together. This is a show for newly sober people who want to stay that way and find community while they're at it. I'm your host, Dana Crawl, and four and a half months ago, I broke up with alcohol because when it's time, it's time. About a month later, I started this podcast to keep myself accountable and try to help others who are in early sobriety. Perched beside me in the studio, as always, is Al K. Hallfree, my co-host and my spirit animal for sobriety. Claw bump for Al. This is season two, episode three, and today we'll finish hitting the biggest three American cities. First, we met Katie Mack in New York City. Then it was Aureli Davis in Los Angeles. And today, my friend Elmer Velasco joins us from Chicago. Elmer works in clinical operation support for stem cell transplants, and he's going to tell us about what it's like when you start seeing the matrix in sobriety. And in particular, he's going to talk about his experience as a Latino American. So welcome, Elmer. Thank you, Dana. It's an honor to be here. It's uh, The honor's mine, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you kissed alcohol goodbye, and, and yeah, sure. we'll go from there, man. I love being here because one of the things that I want to do is, is get rid of that stigma of... Um, making a decision to stop drinking to to making a decision to change your lifestyle and live an alcohol-free lifestyle and a little bit about myself so I live in the Chicago area I've been here for a little over 10 years prior to that uh, lived in the San Francisco Bay Area for, for more than a decade and prior to that I lived in the country the, uh, the smallest country in America um, and yes, America is not just the United States. America <laughs> is the entire continent. So it's uh, the country of El Salvador, which is the smallest uh, um, country in the American continent. Um, so I migrated. I'm an immigrant. I migrated to California as a teenager uh, with my mom and just she and I uh, against the world, so to speak. Um, and uh, now I'm, I'm married. I have two boys, uh, nine and six, uh, and um, you know, just loving life uh, with my new lifestyle. And I just uh, couldn't wait to get on the show and and share a little bit more about my experience. Tell us about what was different culturally for you about um, alcohol consumption when you were growing up. Obviously, as a, as an immigrant coming into California. And what age did you come again? You said when you were so a teenager? Was, uh, almost 13. So okay. yeah. Okay. That's yeah. wow. A really formative time in your life. And that's really interesting. I was listening to um, my podcast mentors, a guy named Kevin Shemidlin, and he has a podcast called Philly who, and one of his guests uh, was a guy who's first his um, Gabriel Iglesias. I might be messing up his last name, but he had immigrated from, um, somewhere in Central or South America and had a, a similar story of coming like at that age. And as I listened to his story, I was thinking, wow, like it's already a crazy time in your life when you're, you know, a, a twin, what we would call a tween these days. Right. And to come to a new country and was, had you learned English when you were growing up or did you show Just up basic, and had to learn it? You know, like, how are you? Where's the bathroom kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it, you're right. It, it is a very difficult time um, because you are not just, you know, you're trying to figure out how to become a man, a young man, yeah. but then you're in a new country, new language, uh, new, new friends. Well, uh, and for you, know, you so. the story too, like, is even more 
compelling to me because, and, and not to minimize Gabriel's um, experience, but he had come with his whole family. You know, his dad was a, a lawyer or something, but he showed up like with the whole family. You're coming with a single mom right. and having to figure that out. And like you said, trying to figure out how to be a man. And I was thinking, well, you're it's only 12. No, you like, you were the man, you were the man there, right? Yeah, I thought of myself as a man. It's interesting because, and I don't, and this is t- partly to answer your question. And, and of course, I don't attempt to describe my experience as everyone's experience in sure. the Latino community because it's varied. You know, we're not sure. Um, it's you know, not monolithic. Genius. Like, yeah, just because you're Latin American doesn't mean that. Like, an El Salvadoran is going to be a lot different than an Argentinian. Right. Like, someone yeah. that was born to Mexican parents in Southern California is going to be different to someone born to Cuban parents in Miami. Yeah. Uh, someone that migrated from El Salvador as a tween, you know, it's going to be a little bit different, you know. So, um, I don't attempt to, you know, encompass everything. So, I'll speak more from my experience, but it's a very similar experience, um, you know, to a lot of the people that I know, a lot of the friends that I have uh, that I've made over the years. And, um, um, you know, it, it is, you, you grow up really fast when you're growing up in a third world country or, you know, a developing country, I think uh, would be the most appropriate term now. But, you know, middle of civil war and, you know, just a lot of bad things happening, just like they're happening now around the country, around the world. Um, but yeah, it makes you grow up fast. Uh, at 12 years old, I thought I was a man, you know, and, mm. but nevertheless, you don't know that you, you, you need these role models in your life, right? And, and to answer your question, you know, relate in relation to alcohol, I, I viewed it as a goal, you know, because mm. all the male figures and everyone that I knew, not, not in my immediate uh, family, I must say that because just in case my, my family is going to listen to this, my immediate family, they didn't drink. Uh, you know, I never saw them drink once. You know, my mm. mom or my uncles that I, you know, was closer to as a, as a kid, I never saw them. Um, this was more uh, like society, you know, and, and my friends' parents, you know, getting together all the time. And, and then as you um, get a little bit older and then you start seeing like, wow, you know, everyone that I know around me smokes, drinks, you know, and, and that's like, oh, that's what being a man is. And then uh. it starts that early on kind of like you're in the matrix and we'll talk about the matrix in, in a yeah, few yeah. minutes, but but you're in, oh so now you've entered the matrix and you're fully in you're plugged in and that's what you think you know uh yeah. being a man is so as 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 i got older i remember going out with all you know and then of course you just start becoming friends with everyone that has had a similar experience like most of my friends uh immigrants you know from latin america mm-hmm. um all you know different countries and we start talking about like a night out and and oh, I had, you know, start counting how many drinks you had. Oh, I had like three beers and like, oh, and then I had two more. And then I, and then, you know, like a sense of pride in that, yeah. you know, and, and it was just in retrospect, you know, kind of insane that, you know, young men would be talking about booze in that way. But, and, and I think it's similar to other cultures too. It's not just, you know, I, but at sure. least that's how I viewed it, you know, now in retrospect, um, it was, it was kind of like a man, man, being a man and, 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 uh, growing up and being tough and yeah. you know what, sure. I come from a, a country that, you know, civil war is horrific, 
but that's nothing, you know. And I, I'm sure a lot of people drink just to kind of forget that world. You know, a lot of sure. people that I met that were recruited into like militias, you know, whether it's for the government or for the for the you know the leftist guerrillas, you know, it's like either either party. It's a traumatic experience. I'm sure I, I had the fortune that I never experienced that, but I know people that have. And now that I know so much, now that I can see the matrix from the outside. I'm like, gosh, you know, so many traumatic experiences. No wonder people drink, you know, no wonder people need something to numb, you know? So, yeah, I was going to ask you in what context did you have that first drink and uh, how did it kind of develop into uh, a problem? I know that's a long time ago. I mean, we're talking about, about 30 years of history here. So, I mean, you know, kind of tell us what were the most key experiences that you think shaped um, aside from just the, the culture, the, the culture of manhood in general, as you experienced it, but also for you in particular, where did the, where did drinking enter into the story and how did it sort of, how did it snowball or did it come and go? Or, you know, what was it, yeah, what was your relationship yeah, no, with that's alcohol? A, like? That's a good question because that's the other thing I want to, I want people to understand that there's, it's not a straight line. Like uh, there's a lot of stigma around people that stop drinking that say, oh my gosh, this person must have really, really screwed up their life or or whatnot or they're just and I know that because I've judged people unfortunately not too long ago within the last within the last year you know when I've learned of someone that stopped drinking I told my wife oh wow that person must have really screwed up you know and I want to get rid of that line of thinking so to answer your question my first beer was when I was 14 years old I had the opportunity to go back to El Salvador. So came here, I was, I'm sure was depressed. Like if I have, if I had been, if I had been taken to like a counselor or a psychologist, I'm sure I would have been diagnosed with depression as a young teen because I had, you know, my zero, all my friends were back home. Like I didn't think of the United States as my home. It was like a foreign country to me, a foreign world, right? So yeah, I'm pretty sure I was depressed. We were dirt poor because my mom was still trying to figure out. I was trying to make, dollars here and there washing cars you know doing, you know delivering newspapers whatever i could do to, to 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 get by right so it was it was not great so i'm sure i was depressed so going i go back meet all my friends that are a little bit older than me now some of them are where you know they were like 17 18 let's go and have a drink you know that's what men do and right. you know to answer your question about that cultural um drive to, to drink and so it was great it was great fun uh, I, and then it became a thing like every time I would go back you know on vacation every summer I would go and hang out with my friends we would go to the beach go here and just have a drink and and that was normal and in that retrospect I think gosh that was not normal you know it, it I should have been like learning how to surf or learning how to do you know play volleyball or you know, really focus on soccer, which I love to play, you know, like a lot of kids do. But instead, I was like hanging out with friends and drinking beers, which, and we never got in trouble. And like, it was just normal, right? So I think that's kind of like where it started. And then throughout my 20s, I don't think I ever did anything that was outside of what I perceived as normal. You know, you go to clubs, you go to bars, you go here and there, and there's just drinking everywhere and I'll partake, yeah. you know? Um, but I think what really, you know, my, my, my consumption of alcohol came and went, and I still like felt like it was normal. 
normal in air quotes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and then um, it wasn't until later, until recently that I realized, gosh, this is not serving me. Um, you know, it wasn't until I think when COVID hit, uh, it was really when my, you know, I started because again, I felt that it was normal. Everyone was having a couple of drinks at home, people getting yeah. cocktails ordered by mail. Uh, we were yeah. having Zoom, happy hour Zoom parties, you know, and it was just like, okay, this is normal. So for two years, like I'm like drinking every day, you know, and yeah. not feeling well. And, and, you know, like, it was just not feeling well. Um, you know, the mornings, you're sluggish, you know, all the things that we all know too well. And, and, and then it, it came, there was one um, situation that, and I've shared this uh, before with others where it made me realize, you know what, this is not serving me. I, I need to change my lifestyle and I'm going to decide to stop drinking, which was, it was just a typical day. The 49ers were playing in the playoffs. And my neighbor called, texted me and said, hey, we're watching the game if you want to come over. I was home alone because my kids had, were, were, you know, had gone. And I'm like, okay. So I crossed the street and go over there. And then you know, it, it goes back to like you have a couple of drinks and then you think, oh, I'm just going to have one more so I, can start, so I can feel how I felt when I first had a drink. And then, right. oh, two, yeah. two drinks later because someone else is like, well, you must try this whiskey from you know whatever country whatever year i'm like okay you know at that point you're just not hey, you can't turn down some exotic whiskey or something yeah, of course like your your decision capability has gone down the drain you know and that's the problem one of the problems yeah. with alcohol so i drank way too much i i came home and i'm like slurring i'm like you know my, my oldest was like dad what's wrong with you and i'm like and then it hit me, you know, like, wow, yeah. this is, this is not right. And then of course I fell asleep on the couch and then the anxiety the next day. And I was just like, okay, this is not the example I want to set for my kids. I don't want my kids to think of drinking or being drunk or, you know, acting funny as normal. You know, that's not normal. That I thought of it. That was normal for adults to do when I was growing up. But yeah. that's not that's not right. So that's kind of like, and I don't even know if that was your question, but it is kind of yeah. like what you know. It's it's a long journey because it's almost thirty years, you know, uh, of that ebb and flow of consumption. What I think when most of the people that I known over the years think it's just fine. There's nothing wrong with you, you know. It's just yeah. that's what we do especially during COVID, as I mentioned to you, where I felt like I was like, you know, it was my consumption had increased. Uh, and I thought, let me Google what is normal drinking yeah. or yeah. like, let me look at the statistics of uh, how many drinks people have in this country, you know, then because I started like realizing like, hmm, is this normal really? You know, everyone says I, I don't have a problem, you know, like, hey. Were you Googling you it to like? see if, to as a way to be like oh i'm not that bad i can keep drinking because i i feel like i did that mm -hmm. or what or were you looking because you were actually like you, were you looking at a more mature level than i was which was i want to actually see if i have a problem i think when i googled it it was like i want to get some justification for the level that i'm at and find out that it's not that bad 
Like what was your yeah, I think it's a combination behind? of okay. both things. I want I just wanted to see, yeah, some justification that I'm like, everyone everyone's doing it, you know? Right. So if yeah. everyone's doing it, it must be fine. I do remember like researching that to, you know, wine is good for you, to yeah. two drinks a day is perfect, you're gonna be healthy. I'm like, oh, score, you know, as long as I keep it, uh, you know, within two drinks of wine, then I'm good. But if you look, there are all these uh, biased studies that favor drinking, you know, and, and, and when the reality is, and, you know, that's why I say like, okay, you know, you have to, uh, if once you see what the matrix and you get unplugged and you take the whatever color pill is like in the movie where you start seeing like oh yeah. this is the reality i was in the matrix before then that's yeah. when you start realizing no amount of alcohol is healthy air quotes for you um you know and all those things um that you start learning Tell, do you think that with that experience with your son with the 49ers game followed by your oldest who's nine is sort of a pre-tween uh, do you think that was that the experience where it was like that was the that was the the red pill or you realized you had taken the red pill and like or or well maybe you hadn't taken the pill yet sorry I'm trying to get the matrix reference correct um, <laughs> what do you think that was when you started to realize like oh I'm in like I'm in a program that like I, I've been pre-programmed to behave a certain way that is maybe not okay maybe this is not the way it's supposed to be was that kind of the moment no or was no, it that, that in conjunction with other things no that was just when I realized okay this behavior is not something that I want to uh, set an example of you know I don't want okay. my kids to feel like this is normal uh, that Sure, society is going to have their pressures when they grow up, and, and I can't do anything about that, but I need to do something, what I can control to, okay. you know, give my kids an example of what a man should be, what, you know, yeah. uh, what, what normal, what real normal outside of the matrix should be. Um, so that, so I, that's what I realized. And then okay. the very next morning, that's when I started Googling and I found Reframe, the app. Yeah. I downloaded it right away. And then it wasn't until I started doing like the daily activities on the app where, you know, you start asking yourself all these questions. You start learning the science behind why human brains act the way they do around an addictive su substance, which is alcohol. And I never even thought of alcohol really as an addictive substance because I was so brainwashed by the matrix and the marketing and like, you know, the advertising and how cool it is, you know, to, and how sophisticated it is to, to, to drink yeah. and, and, and so on. So then as I think that's when I took that, you know, pill that made me see outside of the matrix, like, oh yeah, alcohol is a big business and I'm just a sucker. And, you know, I'm just, they're just taking my money, you yeah. know, and, and there is a world where people don't drink you know, there is a world where people are happy and don't drink. And, you know, uh, because when you're in the matrix, it's like every it's single occasion is an occasion to drink because advertisement tells you that you go to the beach. Well, you're going to have to have a beer. I'm not going to say a name. I don't know if it's, you know, you're going to have, but we all know that scene where it's that's like right. I've called out, I've called out brands by name on here before. I'm like, I'm probably going to get banned. <laughs> Yeah, and then know. I posted a selfie of myself with that same brand, a non-alcoholic. I was at a Reds game and I had like a Budweiser. I had, I had like 
cussed out Budweiser. And then I was doing like a Budweiser NA selfie. Like, thank you, Reds, for having Budweiser NA. So <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Exactly. We're still friends, right? No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Yeah, Budweiser. so that brand of beer where you're like relaxing beachfront, blue water, sun, blue skies, palm trees, tranquility, and, you know, and then there's a beer, right? Like that, that's like the, the center it's point. Snoop Dogg on the beach, man. Snoop Dogg saying Corona, like when he says, when Snoop Dogg says Corona and he's like doing the little dance on the beach and he's making it look so cool. I'm like, God, Snoop, you're so damn cool. I just want to be like you. And I want a Corona. But then I'm like, no, no, stop, stop. I have to catch myself. Like, yeah. no, I've stepped outside. I can see it's, it is, it's like when Neo, when you, when you make this countercultural decision when, and when you say, I'm going to, I'm going to take the red pill and I'm going to see how deep this alcohol free hole goes. Like you go down this and you're like, wait a second, there, there is this whole world outside of it. And you start to see like the, the, you know, you're looking around and, and, and you see things through completely different lenses. I don't even know how to describe it either. But when you said that it's like seeing the matrix, I was like, we need to do an episode about this because I think it's the perfect image that I, I truly feel like, um, and, and even in like, say a biblical reference would be like when scales fell off of somebody's eyes, you know, when they, when they had a conversion type experience uh, that we, <laughs> when you make this countercultural decision and you start walking in a different direction, you start to see the world uh, in a different way and in a way that you didn't think was even possible. Uh, like, I, I, I mean, I guess I knew it was possible because I had spent years of my adult life alcohol free, but for me, it was always tied up with religion. It was always like, well, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to, you know, like not go into drunkenness or whatever. But now for me as a non-pastor and for someone who is, you know, again, I won't go into the whole like religious stuff, but like just as a person, I'm, I'm trying to be someone who is just fully present and seeing that I can, that the best way to be fully present is actually to not drink. It's not like I'm going to enhance my, my experience in, no, I'm actually going to go back to um, something that isn't real. Yeah. Well, you're in the matrix. You feel, I felt like that, like stop drinking alcohol. Like who does yeah. that? Why in the right. world would I do that? You know, right. uh, that's kind of because you're so programmed you're in the matrix you're thinking this is the reality this is everyone's reality uh, every occasion you must have a drink because you're you want to celebrate and you're feeling festive and you, or yeah. you're sad and you just want to you know whatever it is like it's at every corner of your life and so you think that's normal that's your, your it's like I keep going back to that image of like you're plugged into the matrix once you realize you get unplugged from the matrix and you realize, wait a minute, you know, to your point, like being present, wow, how powerful. And that's what I love about a life, an alcohol-free lifestyle. You know, it's like, gosh, you know, being present for every single minute of my life, you know, and, 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 and being clear headed and, and just enjoying it at a different level. At the level yeah. I used to enjoy life when I was, you know, 12 years, 11, 10, 9, you know, where your life was like playing outside and having friendships and doing all these, you know, it, it was just your new natural course of uh, developing yeah. being a human, right? And then you interrupt it by this 
you know, substance that alters your yeah. brain and your body and makes you unhealthy and makes you tired and sluggish and hangovers and this vicious cycle of like, wow, like what was I doing to myself, you know, and then yeah. you come to that realization. And as you're talking, the image that comes to me from the movie is when, you know, I'm thinking about how it's a process. It's not like, you know, I was talking about a conversion type experience, like it, it happens overnight for some people, maybe it does, but, but more often, maybe what happens is that it's a, that it is a process of uh, gaining confidence in it. Like Neo in the movie doesn't just immediately, you know, first he's like, no, whatever this is, you know, he's in denial, but then he, he starts to open up to the idea and he starts to find out that he can, you know, as Morpheus is training him and stuff, and he's finding he can do things that he didn't think that he could do. But then there comes that scene where he's on top of the, the skyscraper, and he's got to make the jump. Right. And the first time he's like, okay, okay, I can do this. Like, I know that, you know, and he's, and he jumped up and he's like, ah! and then he like, yeah. you know, goes down and, and they're like, well, he didn't, you know, he didn't make it. Oh, no, no. Is he not the one? No, like, it, it you know, part of this process is um, questioning it and saying, is this, you know, is this really it? It's not like Elmer uh, got to a place. I mean, I don't think no, I got I to a place where we're like, I'm oh, I see the world differently immediately. It's like, it's taken time and it's taken. I agree yeah, with yeah. you hundred percent. I'm so glad that you pointed that out because I don't want people to think that it happens overnight. Yeah. I, I think I'm talking like the big picture, but yeah. the reality is it's not easy to, and it's hard. And like the first, you know, um, I would say the first two months, are very hard because oh, you're yeah. so like accustomed to the way of life right like where five o'clock rolls around and you're already starting to feel thirsty like you're like mm, yeah. what am I gonna have today to relax you know and so then when you stop and you're like oh what am I gonna have today to relax oh no I forgot I made a decision I'm not gonna drink now what you know those now are what? tough yeah. moments yes. uh, to go through and um yeah, and it's your brain. Like, like yeah, a, your brain's wired a certain way, and you like gotta yeah. undo that, and that takes a lot of repetitions. It's not like, you know, it's like my one of my therapists told me, you know, you got how many years of doing this, and and about something else, just in terms of ways of thinking about like anxiety or depression or whatever. And he's like, listen, you've you've dealt with trauma in this way for so long. Do you think you're just gonna be able to like change? you know, the way that your brain and your body reacts to it. No, it takes practice. And so, yeah, that first, that first 30, 60 days, it can be hard and you start questioning and do I really want to do this? Is this real? And you get all, you start to get present, even when you remove yourself from situations intentionally to try to retrain yourself, then when you start to go back into situations, you can catch yourself going, well, yeah, but maybe. Like I remember uh, thinking, oh, see, I quit for 30 days. I, I really right. wasn't that bad after all, you know, yep. uh, like, you know, and and you start questioning like, oh, well, I think I'm good now. You know, I, I, I'm yep. fine. And um, but but, you know, I remember in the early days, like the first couple of months, I was listening to podcasts. That's why I think what you're doing is great, because I was listening to different podcasts like morning, day and night, you know, mm. shoveling snow, like listening, because, you know, you kind of have to rewire your your brain. Yeah. And that helps, you know, listen, hearing other people's experience, even if you think it's within the normal, but something made you decide that you wanted to change that, whatever it was, um, you know, because everybody's journey is different. It's worthwhile to, to try it out and to like stick with it. And, and um, you know, and then eventually it gets better and better. 
It does. Um, but e and, yeah, even yeah. if you are not like physically dependent on alcohol, where you're like, oh my gosh, I must have a drink first thing in the morning, like some folks, which, you know, it, it's a challenge, uh, I, I would imagine, I, you know, you don't have to be there in order to make a decision no. to change uh, your lifestyle. Yeah, you don't have to hit a rock bottom, I think is how one of our reframe friends said it. Mm -hmm. and, and you can stop it's actually preferable to stop yourself before you get there. It's almost like we feel like we have to have this grandiose story to explain to people. Well, you know, I drank myself into a hole. I think that's why I drank myself into a hole was because I felt like I didn't qualify. And so I, in order to give myself permission to get better, I needed to totally destroy myself and almost like lose everything, which is so ridiculous. So like, I think I knew a long time ago, this is a problem. But again, being in a, like the matrix image, like the conditioning around me was saying, you're not that bad. You're not that bad. I have people who care about me saying, oh, it's not that bad. And, and, but deep down, I knew like, this is not right. This is not where I should be as a husband, a father, uh, just as a, just as an adult, I was behaving like, like an adolescent. And mm -hmm. here I am trying to raise young, we've got three boys, you know, Elmer, you talked about a lot of things, but what's, you know, what's something that you would want to communicate to people out there, regardless of where they're at in their alcohol-free journey, whether they're sober curious or they're cutting back, maybe they yeah. want to quit? I'd say don't be afraid to make the decision to quit or cut back, whatever that decision is. Um, don't be afraid because there's so much stigma. And that's why I'm talking to you right now and out into the internet world. Um that there's so much stigma about making a life change. And it's unfortunate that you have to justify, well, I'm making this change because of this. It, like, no, like, every, you know, every person as an individual knows where they're, they, they are at, you know, in life with, in terms of, uh, you know, alcohol consumption. And the bottom line is, like, no amount of alcohol is healthy for you whether you're a one drink a day kind of person or a binge drinker or whatever, it doesn't matter. So I'm just trying to tell people like, don't be afraid to make the change. It, it, it might seem like it's an impossible, uh, gosh, you know, like how, how am I going to go to the so-and-so's birthday party if I'm not going to have a couple of drinks at least, you know, or how am I going to tolerate this person if I don't have a couple of drinks, you know? Right, yeah. Because the reality is that you start, you, you, you become accustomed to super, uh, superficial conversations, you know, because the alcohol takes care of the rest, you know, and you just stay at the surface with a lot of people in your life. And don't be afraid to say, you know what, I'm going to make this change and it's going to be hard, but there's all, you know, there, um, there's a lot of support, you know, out there in terms of whether it's AA, whether it's apps, like the one where I met you uh, through Reframe. Uh, there's so many apps and, and, and ways where you can kind of get some support and, um, you know, and keep going. And, and you know, so for so everyone listening that, you know, um, that, you know, that has someone in their life that has made a change, like, you know, let's not stigmatize it. Let's support them. Let's, let's, let's celebrate. Everyone should get a medal. Everyone that you know, stops drinking <laughs> yeah. alcohol should get a medal. You know, yes. it should be, we should be like the role, not to toot our, my own horn, <laughs> but we should be the role models to the next generation, you know? Yes. And I know that the younger generations, uh, statistically, I think I read somewhere where they're drinking less, 
which is great, great news. It is. But, uh, I don't know. I just rambled too. So no, that's <laughs> so good. Hopefully that's my message. <laughs> that was a great ramble. And one thing um, I realized I forgot to ask you is uh, you travel a lot for your job. So talk to us about how you've dealt with boozy business related things on your, on your, um, on these trips that you make, uh, for conferences or just after, after work get togethers or, or in airports or whatever else, you know, I'm sure that we're going to have some people listening who, uh, travel in some capacity, whether it's by plane, train, automobile, how have you dealt with those pressures yeah. of drinking? Because uh, yeah. you shared a lot with us in our private groups, but I want, I would love for you to share some of that wisdom with with uh the yeah audience. no definitely you know uh traveling would be what you would call a trigger you know i remember every airport stop that i've ever made since the age of 21 was regardless of what time it is i was looking i love going to the airport because it, it, whether it was 10 a.m or noon it's like oh the bar is open people are drinking it's acceptable again yeah that's normal yeah. Oh, travelers drink. They have a lot of stress, you know, in their in their lives. You know, it's normal to to be at the airport watering hole. Well, and, and it's kind of romanticized too, isn't it? Because I remember when I the first time I flew after I was 21, like I went intentionally, and I think it was late morning, and I intentionally went and got a beer because I was like, I just want to sit at the airport bar and feel like I'm all grown up and feel like exactly. I'm a, I'm exactly. a cool traveler. So <laughs> you're conditioned to that. Um, yeah. And and then. You get to your destination. You're like, okay, well, I, I, my, you know, I don't have the responsibilities of at home cleaning up after myself, washing the dishes. You know, I don't have to cook. I can just order, or I can go out to eat because I'm at a destination or somewhere where I have to get, you know. And then you go to the conference or whatnot, and everyone is drinking because everyone is kind of like, yeah, they're working, but after the job is done, it's like, oh, well, you know, let's relax a little bit. Let's socialize and and everyone's drinking right and, and that's kind of like what people do uh, and that's what I thought was normal so to answer your question you know I once I stepped out of the matrix and I realized you know okay this is what the reality is about alcohol what it does to my brain what it does to my body this is my why you know my the example I want to set to, uh, to my kids in, in prior to traveling I told everyone at work like hey you know, I just want to share some great news about myself. I've decided to live alcohol-free, you know, mm -hmm. and I call it alcohol-free because just, that's really what it is. That's a life change. No difference than someone that decided to become vegan or someone that decided to, you know, stop eating sweets because they have diabetes, you know. Mm -hmm. um, that's what it is. The bottom line, it's a life, lifestyle change. It's not, a, you know, I'm not depriving myself. You know, that's kind of like the reframing of your brain, right? Like I'm not depriving myself. I'm making a lifestyle, lifestyle change. I told everyone at work, everyone was very supportive. Like some people were like, okay, whatever, you know? And some people were like, good for you. That's great. So then when I saw them, no, first I had to get myself to the airport, right? And I, I must confess that I decided to replace booze with like sweets. I gave yeah, myself permission too. to like buy the cakes, buy the cookies, whatever it was as a substitute. Me too. And so I did that and um, got, that got me through the airport at the conference, you know, I, I ordered mocktails and non-alcoholic beer just to feel like I'm holding something in my hand and like feel mm -hmm. like a, no one's like in, 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 staring at me for drinking water or whatever. 
But at the end of the day, no one was there. No one cared. Everyone continued with their drinking life as if nothing, right? So the next day, I woke up refreshed. I was like ready to go. Some people were not so ready to go. And that kind of (laughs) reinforced my decision like, okay, you know, this is why I didn't drink because I don't want to feel sluggish. I want to wake up on time. I want to be ready to seize the day. And that reinforcement kind of helped me uh, like, okay, I want to repeat of this. And then just being present, like talking to people and gosh, you know, just uh, really connecting with people at a deeper level and those relationships, you know, just become so much stronger. And I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. Like, wow, I don't know this person just because we were at a conference drinking booze and we talked about superficial stuff. Like I really got to know this person. And now when I reach out, for something work-related, you know, we have that much better connection and to help each other out, ultimately yeah. to help, you know, further the, the the purpose of the organization. So I don't know, I, I feel like I'm rambling again, but that's kind of like what got, has gotten me through it. And now I'm to a point now, I'm almost six months now where I've stopped um, drinking alcohol. And now I just look at every possible triggering activity, whether it's going on vacation, whether it's going to a birthday party as an opportunity. Like I really Mm -hmm. reframed my mind to look at these things as an opportunity to really be present, to really enjoy every minute of it, to really connect with people. Uh, And that's kind of like what drives me to the next, possibly what you would normally think as a triggering activity, but I kind of flipped it to like an opportunity to live my life yet one more time, one more milestone. Um, and, and that's what has kept me, uh, you know, on this path of, of this lifestyle, you know, like looking forward to those opportunities, like 4th of July is coming up, right? Gosh, yeah. you know, uh, 4th of July meant beers galore before drink, unlimited drinking, you know, it's like permission to drink because it's hot, it's, you don't have to work, you know, and, and all these things. Now I'm looking at it like, oh my gosh, we're going to get some good food. We're going to get like a picnic going and it's going to be like, I'm going to take the time to make something delicious. Um, I'm going to really enjoy the fireworks. I'm going to play ball with my kids because before it might have been like, okay, you guys entertain each other. Right. I'm going to sit over here and enjoy my drink. Now it's like, let me be involved with them. You know, these are memories yeah. that they're going to have that are going to be formative for them. You know, they're going to remember these things and I will too now, you know, so that's kind of what drives me now to look forward to these things and like keep going. And by the way, I, I'm, we're, most of the friends that I hang out with, you know, a lot of them still drink, you know, during these events. I just let the, you, they do their thing and I do my thing and I still, you know, I'm there. I don't deprive myself. I, I gotcha. uh, well, I'm super glad you mentioned the 4th of July because this episode is going to drop on Sunday the 3rd. So uh, hopefully we'll have some people who listen to this um, either on you know Sunday during the day or even on the 4th itself. Uh, but it, yeah, that's a great point that on these holidays in America, we we find excuses to, to go shopping and then excuses to drink. And uh, it can feel overwhelming to go into a holiday like that where you know, when it's not just the buzz or whatever that we're chasing, it's the the refreshment of the beverage itself, because unfortunately, like, <laughs> alcoholic beverages can be refreshing. I don't want to trigger anybody. But mm-hmm. the point is, like, you can have a non-alcoholic beer that tastes 
like there are some out there like i tried an athletic brewing because everybody mm-hmm. kept talking about how great it was and yeah it was two dollars a can but i don't care like it tasted just like a golden ale just with, without the alcohol i like i yeah. think my brain was like where's the like my brain was expecting it, it tasted so much like it so the point is like you can replace those things like Elmer said, and you're not, it's not that, oh, I don't get to drink. It's wow. I get the opportunity to connect with people more deeply. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking about American culture and how it's almost like we use the booze as an excuse to stay superficial because mm-hmm. America, you know, the, sorry, the United States of American culture <laughs> can be just a mile wide and an inch deep. And when there are so many there are so many ways to go like mine for treasure within this culture. There, there are people who are treasures everywhere and they don't even know they are. And you can help like them unlock the treasure in themselves just by talking to them and getting to know them better. And, you know, I've shared on many episodes, but I, I had just started to give up on people and, and this has reestablished my, my ability to connect with people in a, in a more meaningful way and to recognize their humanity, our common humanity and, and realizing that we have way more in common than we don't. And that's something you said on our little private zoom the other night from the, um, our, our Instagram chat group had our, our family there had a, a call and I was like slinging tacos and listening to you guys talk. And one of the things that you said was along that line and i just forgot what it was i just said it and then i forgot what it was like when, when you start talking to people at a deeper level you realize that we have so much more in common things That's that unite us versus the things that separate us especially there in was. the world that we live in of you know polarity whether it's politically or anything really like people think that we're so different but once you you remove the alcohol and you start talking to people and getting to know them for who they are and, and what they, why they think the way they think. And you start asking questions without being defensive, without attacking, yeah. because alcohol is not playing a part in that. Like alcohol yeah. will put a numb and a fog in your brain where you might not normally react a certain way, but where you just like kind of like listening and like, you yeah. know, getting to know that person. And then you both end up, you know, saying, gosh, you know, like maybe I'll think about that, you know, or, yeah. you know, we disagree but you're such a good, good, good person. Like I didn't realize that people that thought that way were actually good people, you know? And, yeah. and then it starts like, really like, you know, mutually you the, start thinking yeah. about like, wait a minute, like, let me, maybe, uh, maybe I need to ask more questions or maybe I need to look into Absolutely. this a little bit more, you know, without like shutting off, which is unfortunately is what's happening a lot right now. People just shut off and not talk anymore is, because they isn't it interesting yeah function. isn't it interesting that our former addiction to alcohol is the thing that allows us to actually connect with each other because um as katie max and i talked about on season two episode one that was just literally hours after the announcement of the roe v wade being overturned and um we were both kind of processing that together on that episode but then since the in the few days since then on our like on our instagram chat group i know that we all know not everybody in that group agrees about abortion and if there's a divisive issue in this country today it is that one and you know how many people have left that group since that happened none that i'm aware of mm-hmm. um like we actually if anything we're able to connect more more closely and able to because we've established this relationship and, and established this sense of 
goodwill, like assuming goodwill in the other person, because we have this thing in common, we're actually able to connect and talk about these more difficult uh, things that we maybe couldn't talk with our own biological family members about or our own uh, friends that we have these so-called normal relationships with. So it's just been a beautiful thing to witness and to be a part of. It truly is a family. It's like, this is possible? I didn't think this was possible. Right, yeah. And everyone lives in different parts of the country, different backgrounds, different different upbringings. Uh, yeah. and, and it's great. Before we go, what's your parting shot for our listeners who uh, might feel like they're in the matrix, but they either don't want to take the red pill or they are, are afraid or they just want to go back and say ignorance is bliss. They want to have, he's like, I don't want to remember anything. He's eaten the steak or whatever. And he's like, ah, oh, just, no, I don't want to remember any of this. What would you say to that person or, or right now? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I respect everyone's choices uh, around and, and I think everyone's timeline is different as to when they're ready to make a decision to live an alcohol-free lifestyle. But I would say, give it a try. Give it a try for 30 days. That, that'll give you a sense of where you're at, you know, and, yeah. and, what, and, and, what, and then you make a, a, another decision. You know, maybe then you'll make another 30-day decision or maybe not, I don't know, but everyone's different, everyone's timeline. There's no yeah. wrong way about going about this. So yeah, my advice would be, Give, give it a shot, but, but get some support around it. You know, don't do it like uh, in isolation, you know, join a group. Um, it could be virtual. It could be in person. That sense of community and of sharing and learning about each other, which, you know, makes us more deeply connected versus yeah. just, you know, doing it in isolation. Um, that, that's what I would recommend. And, and maybe it's not a red pill or a blue pill. Maybe it's a purple pill. Maybe, maybe we can like, is. there can be a third pill option, which is where, you know, I, I mean, I'm riffing on President Obama in that 04 speech where he famously said, you know, there's not a red America and a blue America. There's a purple America. And I hopefully I'm not completely butchering that beautiful speech that he made. But here in sobriety, like there, it, it isn't necessarily all or nothing. Like you can explore a middle path. The app that we use called Reframe has a cutback track or where if you're just sober curious and you just want to log, you just want to log your drinks and see how much do I drink? Uh, and, or, you know, you start to learn about some of the neurological effects like Elmer talked about earlier. Uh, you can take that purple pill. We'll call, we'll call Elmer Morpheus, <laughs> Velasco, and we need to get you the two li the little glasses <laughs> that he wears on it that he clips on his on his nose. So he's he's our Morpheus now. Um, I, I'm so honored to have spent this time with you, Elmer, and I'm looking forward to continuing to hear you share on our daily Zoom calls at Reframe and and chatting with you in our our Rogue Instagram chat group. Uh, speaking of which, again, I mentioned this on episode two, but. If you would like to create an Instagram chat group for people that you know that are in the sober journey with you, all you have to do is start a message and then send that Instagram message to at least two people. And then congratulations, you've got a group. You can also message me at I kissed alcohol goodbye um, or at IKAGB pod. And I can give you kind of a step-by-step -step for how we set up Instagram chat groups and sort of like the 
the rules of engagement or whatever you want to call it. I, I mean, they're very informal and we've had very, I don't think we've had really any problems at all. It's been amazing to see, but Elmer, speaking of Instagram, where can people connect with you? So I do, so I'm not that tech savvy. We were just joking about that before the, this call um, that I used to help my uh, people set up their VCRs, like my mom, you know, and now <laughs> like I need help, like figuring out how Instagram works. Exactly. Um, but Me I do too. have, I guess, I guess you would call it a handle. Uh, it's there like you your Salvi friend, uh, okay. S-A-L-V-I. Salvi is short for Salvadorian. It's like a Southern okay. California term for people from El Salvador. Awesome. Self-coined term. So your Salvi friend. And I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. And uh, we just want to thank you for taking time uh, at the beginning of your holiday weekend. Happy fourth to you. Uh, Thank you for being such a great example, not only for me, but for also other, um, for immigrants. uh, I mean, all of us immigrated here at some point or another, uh, but, you know, I'm the, I'm about third generation away from uh, my great great grandfather that came that came over from Denmark. But um, thank you for being an example to all of us, and especially to us as men uh, who are just trying to be uh, good husbands, good fathers, uh, or, you know, if we're not married and with kids, we're just trying to be good dudes. And uh, it's not, I'm not saying that you can't be a good dude if you drink. It's just, we're trying to be the best dudes that we can be. And for Elmer and me, it, it was a realization that alcohol couldn't continue to be a part of our story if we were going to be the best that we could be. Um, so thanks for taking time to be here. Um, no, thank you, Dana. I appreciate you. Well, that's it for this episode of I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast where we break up with booze together. Again, with emphasis on the together, because without people like Elmer, I certainly still would not be sober. Uh, So until next time, please like, rate, review this little show on whatever platform you're listening or watching on. And a reminder that you can watch on YouTube or Spotify and get the video. Um, Hit us up on Instagram at IKAGBpod or at IKissedAlcoholGoodbye. And then Elmer is at your Salvi friend, S-L-S-A-L-V-I. And I'll link all this stuff in the show notes. Um, And finally, if you'd like to support this show for as little as $1 a month, which is the price of one cheesy roll-up at Taco Bell, um, hop on over to patreon.com slash IKAGBpod. Thank you so much for listening to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. Stay tuned for episode four, which I think is going to be a mini reunion episode with Austin. And we'll leave the topic as the the teaser, uh, but more to follow on that this week. And that is hopefully going to be released um, on Friday, July 8th is the goal for that one. And all right. So until then, Elmer, Al, and I send you our best sober vibes by saying goodbye, alcohol and hello life. Much love and peace.